Chris was at the Penguin game. Free meal Franco. It was Pittsburgh night, which I thought every night was at Penguin games. For example, they've not had Sacramento night or Cincinnati night. Maybe they should have Catanning night or Etna night. Anyway, Freemil Franco was there. At one time, you may recall, but the current ownership group apparently didn't. At one time, Freemil Franco opposed Mario in that casino deal to try to get funding for a new arena, which Franco's group wouldn't. Mario's group would, but they worked things out anyway. But but Freemil Franco opposed Mario. Franco Harris, remember? That's what I called him, Franco Harris. So Freemil Franco tried to run the Penguins out of town back when. At one point, he called Mario an absentee owner, despite that big mansion in Sewickley where he lived for a bunch of years, Lebo, before that. And last night, they put Franco in the Jumbotron and gave him a jersey. Freemil Franco. At least he didn't bring his Joe Paterno cut out. This segment brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is Pittsburgh's hometown sportsbook. Bet now from anywhere. Here's another odd thing about Pittsburgh Knights. The Clarks were there. They're okay. Who else are you going to get to play live? Donnie? Probably more expensive than the Clarks. I'd have got Reb Beach. Rip up that fretboard with some heavy metal, baby. Still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. But here's something I found funny, and this is no disrespect to to those involved, but it's Pittsburgh night. The X is the Penguins radio station, and they had radio personalities hosting Pittsburgh night on the Jumbotron along with the lovely Selena Pompiani, and the radio personalities were from DVE. Not the X, not me, not the Penguins flagship. Not the guy who's number one persons 25 through 54 in the ratings, but but people from the Steelers flagship. Because in this building, all the cons is DVE. And I find that out more and more every day. So anyway, 22 more months. Uh, 412-333. I mean, that's, I'm sorry. And if the bosses are listening, that's disrespectful. That's absolutely disrespectful. And if Fenway Sports Group wanted different, let me know that. Because then I'll deal with that in my own way. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. It's like when the Penguins win the cup. The cup gets sent to the DVE morning show, but not to my studio. Because DVE is all that counts in this building. Anyway, 412-333-WXDX. Rick Tockett joins me at 430. Are the Penguins in crisis? That's a fair question, right? And I do want to... Uh, talk about the Steelers' trade of Claypool because by trading Claypool, you're looking at the future. But then again, it's only one extra pick. By trading Claypool, you're waving the white flag on this season, but then next year ain't going to be better. By trading Claypool, you take a weapon away from Pickett, but Pickett's caught in quicksand, period. The Steelers are going to have a very bad season, and Pickett's season is going to get worse. You watch. But here's the fun part. They will probably beat New Orleans, 
in the first game after the bye week. Watt will come back. Pickett will have a good game, and everyone will think the big comeback is on, but it won't be. There's too much sentiment about Claypool. He was an underachieving ham and agar who made more trouble than he was worth. Didn't make a ton of trouble, but didn't do anything either. Uh, And now he's in Chicago. He said he never felt he got the chance to show what he could do in Pittsburgh. Well, that's because you're not that good. That's why. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Uh, I'll get to this in just a bit, but what happens between now and the end of the season will say a lot about the Steelers organization. It really will. Because there's certain things they have to do that they're not used to doing that they have to accept and act upon. I'm not sure they're willing to do it. Let's go to Rick on the south side. Rick, you're on with Double M. Hey, what up, Double M? What up? You know, I was thinking about that about that driving when you talked about Pitt. That's a good call. Uh, quarterback and uh, running back and wide receiver. What about Florida? Now, I, I don't know what your prerequisite is, but Tebow as a college quarterback's no, no, no. Ever. See, I'm I'm talking about how they did in the pros. I'm talking about the whole oh. package. And, and Tebow obviously didn't do much in the pros besides beat the Steelers in the playoff game. <laughs> yeah, like Taylor Slant. We'll never forget that. But I was going to say Tebow, Emmett Smith, and then Wes Chandler. That was my. Uh, that's what I was thinking. So that, anyway. that, that that's Thanks. not a bad threesome. Thank you. That's not a bad threesome. But uh, but it's not Marino, Dorsett, and Fitzgerald. Let's go to Rick in Brighton Heights. Rick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Hey, if, if the Pirates, or I mean, if the Steelers or the Penguins are a borderline playoff team, what is accomplished by that? That I, I have a hard time when I hear like the media or in general say like, oh, they, they need to do this to make the playoffs. But if they're a mediocre to average team, isn't it better to miss the playoffs in my well, estimation? It depends by how much you miss the playoffs. And what you do right. when you make the playoffs. So with the Steelers, they've you know won three playoff games in 11 years. I think that answers your question. If the Penguins don't win a playoff series or two this year, I think that also answers your question. But what uh, I mean, like, I mean, don't you don't you have a pre like, don't you have a preconceived notion going into the playoffs? Yeah, this Penguins team is a contender, and if they're not a contender, what? Does it matter? Well, I mean, but now they've decided matter? they've decided to keep Crosby, Latang, and Malkin until they end their careers, and whatever happens, happens. So while the question you're asking is relevant, it's it's not one they care to hear or answer. Okay, and go back to the go back to the Steelers. Like like you'll hear if if the if the Steelers win the next four games. You're going to hear all the media saying, oh, these Penguins are a contender. They're a game the, off. The Steelers, rather. I'm not too worried about them winning the next four games. Uh, we shouldn't forget that making the playoffs means a lot of revenue. But what you have to avoid is uh, finish middle, draft middle, stay middle. Okay. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go to Mike in Bloomfield. Mike, you're on with Double M. Uh, yeah, man, I would I would love to hear who was the quarterback uh, during the time all those games we lost, uh, three playoff games we won in eleven years. Who was the quarterback? How many games did he win at it, that time? Yeah, well, I mean, he has two Super Bowl rings. I don't care about that. I'm talking well, about no, the but, last well, I don't years. care what you care about. I mean, I think uh, Tom, Ben's going to go. In, gonna, Ben's going to go in the Hall of Fame, and Tomlin's a fraud, and I he might go in the Hall of Fame, which will make him an even bigger fraud. 
His defense took him to both of them Super Bowls. Everybody knows Actually, that. Actually, yeah, like, like that pass to Santonio Holmes. Uh, did Brett Kiesel throw that or James Harrison? I forget. I, I, look at his stat. James Harrison scored a touchdown. Tomlin is a fraud. 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 28 interceptions in the last 11 Tomlin is a fraud. I can do it to a different tune. Tomlin, Tomlin is a fraud. What great quarterback throws 28 turnovers in an 11 playoff game? Tell me that. He won two rings. Can you name him? Brady. Gee, I Manning. wonder why you're blaming Ben ahead of Tomlin. I can't put my finger on it. Any reason? I wonder why you're blaming Tomlin, you racist. <laughs> see? 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 I knew if I pushed it hard enough, you'd come out and say it because you were too gutless to say it in the first place. You know what? Ben should have done better. Over the over the last part of his career, but you know he did as much as anyone to win that Super Bowl against the Cardinals, and in that Super Bowl win over Seattle, Ben had a bad Super Bowl, but he was the MVP of the playoffs up till then. See, but I knew if I pushed that guy hard enough, he wanted to call up and say right away, "You're a racist because you think Tom was a bad coach." No, I just think he's a fraud because, like I said earlier, if he was white, plaid, yellow. Whatever shade of whatever color, Native American, he'd be a fraud because he's won three playoff games in 11 years despite having the Hall of Fame quarterback. And if you want to say the Hall of Fame quarterback deserves his share of blame for that, he absolutely does. I also know the Hall of Fame quarterback, and the evidence for that is plentiful right now. The Hall of Fame quarterback was the only thing that kept them afloat last year, the only thing that got them in the playoffs, the only thing. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Rick talking at the bottom of the hour, 105.9. Double M on the X. A publisher sent me a book written by a guy whose name I won't mention who I have very obviously and vocally hated for years. I just took the book and threw it right in the trash. I kept the letter, though, saying, would you be interested in interviewing so-and-so? I might frame it and put it on my wall. We got Rick Talk at the bottom of the hour. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I do have some serious Steeler talk because... Again, like I said yesterday, the trade of Claypool uh, is the equivalent of waving a white flag. They gave up on the season. And what happens between now and the end of this Steelers campaign will say a lot about the Steelers organization. Because for the first time in a long time, winning and losing doesn't matter. It's about learning about what you got, what you don't got identifying the guys who are going to stay and be part of the team's future and developing them to be better, and and that's it, period. Winning and losing doesn't matter. Now, does Mike Tomlin understand that? Is he willing to accept that? I don't know. Is he smart enough to accept that? I don't know. Does Tomlin know how to handle that? I don't know. Because winning and losing means nothing now. And you'll celebrate winning a meaningless game out loud and lustily like the morons you are. 
but organizationally, winning and losing means nothing. You don't say that out loud ever, but it's true. And it would be so Mike Tomlin to win Week 18 against Cleveland, and they have five wins instead of four, and they drop three or four places in the draft order. That would be just so Mike Tomlin. The winning, the losing, it it doesn't matter now. You might try to convince yourself that there's some nobility and some salvaged pride in trying to beat Carolina or New Orleans. And you don't tell the players to tank. Players won't tank anyway. They're playing for their futures, for their jobs. Like I like I just said, the Steelers, it's going to be an evaluation process now. Not winning and losing, but evaluation. But you don't scratch and claw. You don't push your players in the scratching and clawing direction. I don't know. It's it's tough to describe because the Steelers have so rarely been in this position. But again, I can see them winning week 18 and dropping four spots in the draft order because of it and people acting like they did the right thing. We're going to have Brian Batko on to talk about the Steelers at uh, 5 o'clock right after the list. Right now, let's go to Steve. In Deep Creek, Steve, you're on with Double M. Good day, Super Genius. I said good day. Uh, I mean, obviously, every station is going to be talking about this, and I've heard almost every angle. But one I just haven't heard addressed yet, at least publicly, is Tomlin and generally the Steelers' overall evaluation of talent. Now, we all know we have a track history of not being able to draft quarterbacks, but when have we ever been proven that we can draft a quarterback? I mean, do you want to put oh, a first okay, grade on, okay. or a first round grade like, on like, Mason? Like the last, well, they said that to make 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 it sound like it was the right choice oh, yeah. in the third round when they knew it was going to piss Ben off. But I mean, I'll I'll broaden that question, uh, Steve. When's the last time the Steelers proved they could draft? Period. Never mind drafting any <laughs> particular position. They have drafted crap for the best part of a decade and, and totally uh, misidentified priorities. They haven't, again, I'm fond of this one because I keep repeating it. They drafted David DeCastro in, in 2012. His entire career came and went. He played, excelled, retired, and they never drafted an offensive lineman in the second round after that for all that time. Up until right now, they haven't they yet done it. They him. He was gifted to them, really, because no one else took him. I mean, if every other NFL team, let's just say going to 20 overall for a quarterback, no other NFL team evaluated him as a first-round quarterback. And somehow we did. Certainly, well, 19 others didn't. I mean, I can't guarantee he wouldn't have gone in the last 12 picks of the first round, but 19 teams passed on him. You know, here's the thing. I think Pickett's okay. I think he shouldn't be playing yet. I don't think he's ready. I think it is so obvious he shouldn't be ready. But no one wants to say that. They just want to say, yay, Kenny. He went to pit, you know, yay, Kenny. But he's just not ready. And not absolving him of credit. Everybody wants to blame Canada. I get the whole South Park song. But, you know, again, he's not ready yet. And how many times have we jumped up and done this? You know, the stretch for well, Artie between, Burns, the stretch between, for Terrell Edmonds. Between the coordinator and the bad offensive line and the meager weaponry and total lack of a running game, they're teaching him to be Duck Hodges, and so far he's not even good at that. Thank you for the call. We'll talk with Rick Talk at Talking Hockey next on 105.9. 
And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, he's fan. Love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey, Mark, big fan and all that. I, 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 I think you're on to something. Hey. The X at 105.9. Penguins play the Sabres tonight at 7.30 on TNT. Joining me now, the studio analyst for the NHL on TNT. Won a Stanley Cup with the Penguins in 1992. And then again, twice as an assistant coach in 16 and 17. Always great to talk to Rick Tockett. Uh, talk, the Penguins have lost five straight games. Are, are they in crisis? Do they need to make a move? Well, I think uh, next couple of weeks are, is going to be telling tell. Um the invisible, uh, the uh, the bottom six has been a little bit invisible for me. They they, they need more from that. You got to take the heat off the star players all the time. You can't always have the stars always trying to score. So I see that uh, Tanger's had a tough road trip. Um, you know whether he's ailing or something. It, he doesn't have those type of stats where he doesn't have any points. Minus I think he's minus eight. Um, you know there's a couple of things here and there. You, you, you need you need people to change momentum. Do the, do the Penguins have that in the bottom six? That's the question I'm kind of asking right now. Do they have that? I don't expect the Penguins to have guys, you know, running around and, and hitting everybody. But they're not physical at all. I, I mean, again, I don't want them to goon it up. I think that era is long since passed and the Penguins were never involved anyway. But but you know what I mean? It's like they're playing men's league no check. Yeah, I think that's a little bit mad to run a legal a little bit. If you look at uh, there's a pandemic, two goal lead blown this year is at a huge pace. Last year, it's it's like I, I think I, I had our stack guy. I think uh, as of last week, there was eight or seven blown leads, two goal leads last year. Now there's been like twenty twenty one. There was a couple last night again. Obviously the Penguins, uh, Calgary. Um, there's something there. I don't know if people uh, are taking pride in defending. Maybe it's a, it's a goal-scoring league, a, a point-driven league, which is great, but uh, there's not a lot of emphasis in defending, and uh, I think that's why you're seeing these leads blown and uh, a little maybe more commitment to, to, to team defense. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying trap it up, but I say you still got to be able to lock games down. Well, in that vein, what happened last night against Boston, uh, where did the Penguins blow that 5-2 lead? That's, that's a three-goal lead. Well, I just think, listen, you, you you let power plays get back into it. You you uh, you know you, you you allow teams to do what they do. Um, I like I said, I I mean I've, I've talked this many times. I don't want people backing up, uh, but you still got to press for it. Don't get me wrong. I think you just got to be calculated. That's one of Mike Sullivan's big philosophies. You know, be calculated in what you do. You know, if the percentages are there, go for it. Have you know have a party out there, but. If the per- the percentage isn't there, live for another shift. Well, like you, I don't want to necessarily trap it up, but do they need a plan B? Like, should they play different, smarter? I don't know what, what terminology to use, but when they when they have a lead like they did, because really talk, the Penguins attack, period, for 60 minutes. Yeah, you have to attack. That's their personality. That's who why they've won six or seven, you know, six cups in their career. Like, the Penguins know how to play the right way. I get it. Uh, Mike Sullivan wants defense to gap up, getting people surf up, but you, you, this is a tracking league. And, uh, if you're not having guys track, uh, if, if they're hanging back to see if it's a 50, 50, if it's a hope play, you know, if it's a 50, 50 puck, maybe they're staying back, think that they're going to get it. I think it's a track, a trap, league, uh, a track league where when players come back hard, you can have defense stay in. So, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of odd man rushes. Not so much just from the Penguins, though. Uh, without the throughout the league, I just see a lot of odd man rushes. Calgary and Seattle last night, 
Calgary had the game in hand, and all of a sudden they gave three odd man rushes, a two on one and two three on twos, and got Seattle back in the game, and they won the game. So I think there's an emphasis on point. People want their cookies. Uh, Penguins are at Buffalo tonight. Uh, Buffalo is a lot better this year, aren't they? What has uh, uh, allowed them to to come on strong? And right now, they look like a playoff contender to me. Talk. Well, Dolene and Thompson. I mean, these guys. Like everybody talks about these other young players. Nobody talks about these two guys. I think Dolene over the last year has been one of the best defensemen in the league at, at both ends. He's feisty too. If you watch him, he got in a. We did a show uh, last year. Uh, he cross-checked. Uh, he got cross-checked with uh, uh, Matthews. They, they went right at it in front of the net. He didn't back down. Tate Thompson's had some highlight reel goals. I don't know if saw the goals last night. Um, this guy is, you know, he's six foot five, and the guy's got hands. Uh, you know, that trade that they did with St. Louis years ago is, is panning out. Um, they got some good young players. Uh, I love the fact that the, uh, the, their management and their coach are on the same page. They're not going to go out sign a guy to a 29-year-old to eight-year deal. They're, they're, they're sticking with the game plan, and it's paying off. Uh, over the last 40 games, they're one of, one of the better teams to watch, that uh, Buffalo team. Does it, but is their goaltending strong enough to keep them in it? That's my question. Well, I'm going to get to the league's goaltending in a minute because I think that's an interesting conversation. But let's stay with uh, Rasmus Dahlin for a second. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to get to the level of Makar or Yossi, but I'm not sure he's not either. He can be really special, can he? Yeah, nowadays, Mads, to, to be, uh, you know, to score goals in this league, you have to, you know, you have to score as five. You have to have five people in the play. You know, some teams have been ahead of their time over the years. Now everybody wants their defense in. Um, he is one of the best players, a defenseman at walking the blue line. You watch him and Makar. If you're a young defenseman out there and you, you want to play in the NHL, put a tape and show. they'll show you how they do it with their hips, the way they can deke. They don't panic. They just don't get, you know, they just don't get the puck when they get it, and the, and, and the, and the forwards go at them, they, and they throw it back into the into the corner again. They'll try to make a play. They'll try to juke you at that blue line. And when you have that kind of talent, you get more puck possession. Your forwards get more chances in front of the net, or maybe a one timer. Um, yeah, he's he's excellent at that. Him and McCarr are probably the best at the in the league of walking the blue line. Can Buffalo make the playoffs? Can they be a, a team? Because I looked at the Eastern Conference before the season started. I thought the same eight teams were likely to make the playoffs talk. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I had them as a bubble, probably as a ninth, tenth. But um, and the reason I had that is because of the goaltending. You know, right. Anderson was 40 years old. They just got Comrie, who's a he was a backup, but he's given them some really good minutes. So can they hold up for 82 games? Does Kevin Adams later in the year does he go get something for that team? If he shows that team shows, hey man, we're you know we're vying for a playoffs, but will he go acquire somebody? So. That's an interesting team, or do they just stay with the the course that they're doing, which is a great, you know, which is developing their players and not do, being stupid with the cap. So uh, it's going to be interesting how, what happens with them in February if they can hang in there. We're talking to Rick Talkin of TNT. The Penguins play at Buffalo tonight on TNT. Uh, we've mentioned a couple goalies and specifically problems teams have had, you know, having inadequate goalies. Why are there so few great goalies now? I see only two great goalies: Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. And there's quite a drop-off after that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I will say this. Um, like I said, there's such an emphasis on goals. There's a lot of, you know, listen, coaches want players in the play. That You know, you're pressing. You want your fourth guy in there. I just see, I mean, even last year in the playoffs, I've never seen so many two-on-ones given up. 
in a playoff series last year. It was incredible at the pace. You give teams like Edmonton two-on-ones all night, they're going to convert. So I think it's just that the fact that, you know, it's it's a goal-scoring and a point-driven league, and it's an offense. Offense is up more than ever, and sometimes that hurts the goalies. Goalies got to play more post-to-post, you know. Usually you have a good system, and goalies can play half a net, but now they got to play post-to-post because you never know what can be thrown at them. So maybe that hurts their development. I really don't have an answer. Uh, it just seems like the more odd man rushes, the more goals it uh, gets on these goalies, it's going to hurt their technical part. What couple goalies could rise up and, and maybe get near that level? Oh, well, like, well to me, Shesterkin, I mean, he's, he's at that level. Right. I mean, I'm watching the Rangers this year, some games where they've been, you know, manhandled in the first period, and he's kept the game. It's 0-0 where it should be 3 nothing, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the Rangers wake up. Uh, Sirkin. It seems like the, it's funny. We talked about this last week. It, it's like a Russian invasion with these goalies. <laughs> the Russians are the best goalies in the league, and 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 in the United States are second. I mean, you've got some great goaltenders, uh, and thank God Canada. Which I'm, you know, I'm a I, I'm a Canadian and an American citizen, but I'm obviously a Canada guy too. Uh, Carter Hart. Where's this guy? Is single handedly have kept the Flyers what? What a five two or six and two. His save percentage, what is he, 949.50? Now, can he keep that pace? I don't think so. But he has been a first star in every game they've played. Is Toronto in crisis? Uh, their media certainly thinks so. And they're 500 right now, but they, they don't look the part. They look kind of shaky, don't they? Well, the problem with Toronto is, you know, is their skills, skill, they call it soft skills. They're too soft, their skill. I think they're great players, don't get me wrong. But it seems like their bottom six every year, and obviously the goaltending has been an issue, but their bottom six, if you have a bottom six player that plays well, they can't afford him. The next year he's gone. So it seems that bottom six has been a revolving door, and uh, they're having a tough time getting identity from that, you know, because then it puts pressure on the Matthews and Marners of the world, Tavares and, and Nylander. Um, You know, I don't want to be critical, but I'm not sure they really needed that Tavares money uh, when they got no, him. I think no. they could have used that. I think they could have used it on the back end or in a goalie situation. They had enough scoring, but that's their crisis now. You know, the, the pressure's on the big boys, and and the bottom six is not producing. It's impossible for like somebody in Pittsburgh, like me, a, a non-Canadian, really, to understand what the expectations and pressure is like in Toronto, isn't it? It's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, the coach is what is he four four and two? It's not crisis mode, but. It's, they're talking about firing him. And all of a sudden, you know, Barry Trotz goes on the air the other day and says, it'd be interesting to, you know, coach an original six team. Now, <laughs> that's, got legs, that, that's got legs every day. I mean, that's the big story. That's front-page news in Toronto. Every day people talk about the Leafs. And uh, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's only 10 or 12 games in, but it's crisis mode there. And, and the heat's on the coach, whether he deserves it or not. I mean, I, I, I think you've got to give him a little bit of a break, but – that's what the, the topic is in Toronto right now. On the other side of the coin, where'd Vegas come from? I'm not crazy about their roster. I like the expansion roster better when they had, like, four second lines. They got an unproven goalie, but but they look great, don't they? Well, they've lost their identity from the first year. They were a hardworking team. Uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, then Vegas went out, and it, they wanted every shiny new toy. Let's get this guy. Let's get this guy. And it, it kind of hampered them. They got into, into cap hell. Um, but I got to tell you, we had a, you know, at the start of the year, we had, who do we think was going to make the playoffs? Some guys on our panel didn't think Vegas was going to make the playoffs. I thought they were out of their mind. If you look top to bottom, their defense is very good. 
the goaltending has been very good for him. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big Cassidy fan. He's, you know, he's a structure. And if you watch Cassidy, he's not overplaying, guys. I mean, the other night he played in Eichel about 22 minutes, but they're, they're trying to get back to that old Vegas team uh, years ago where they kind of spread the minutes out and they're getting uh, scoring by committee. Look at Phil Kessel. You know, Phil hasn't been got a lot of points, but he's a complimentary player. They got him on the third line. Um, and every once in a while it'll come up big for him. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a team that, uh, man, I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. To jump back to the Penguins, you know where they never replaced Phil Kessel? On that left half wall on the power play. Uh, when their power play struggles, not talk, I think it's because they don't really have a reset point. Yeah, that's the one Phil uh, thing Phil did for them uh, when things got a little scrambly, when things got a little bit uh, hectic. And I remember running the power play, and it was Sully. Right. Uh, Phil had that unique to, to either slow it down or make the right play to calm everybody down. Um, and he was a focal point, but he was also a guy that every once in a while, and that's what I loved about Phil. He would bark at the, you know, he'd bark at guys, you know, he, you know, he wanted the puck, you know, it's like those basketball, give me the ball. I want the puck. He used to do that all the time. Uh, sometimes people defer a little bit too much, but, uh, yeah, that's something that Phil used to do. He had that unique way of getting guys to calm down when the power play was not good. McDavid and Dreisaitl are one, two in the league in points, which is no surprise. But how does that ever going to translate to a Stanley Cup? And to be fair, they did get to the conference final last year. Yeah, and and yeah, and they you know LA took them to seven. That was a that was a tough series. But here's the thing: if you watch the you know uh, since the new coach got in there, he's kind of taken a couple of minutes away from it, and I think that's smart. I. I did not like the model before, you know, play Dreisaitl and Dick David 26, 27 minutes, and then in the playoffs, they would fizzle. Um, to me now, it's more of a team game. They've acquired some more players. Their bottom six is better. You know, uh, you know Nugent Hopkins, he's a guy that's, a, you know, he's a third-line player for them. And, you know, they acquiring Kane, they got Hyman, they got some gr- – their, their, their skill is gritty. Um, you know, now they got Campbell in that with Skinner, who's the young goaltender that's really – you talked about a young guy that's stepping up. There's a young guy that's stepping up as a goaltender. Um, you're better equipped. I mean, I'd rather be cutting those guys, ice them down. Who cares about them trying to – the biggest thing in Edmonton, everybody wants to talk about, can McDavid get, a, you know, 160 points and 90 goals? The, the question should, can that team win a Stanley Cup and whatever it takes? I remember Sid. When we won Cups, Sid wasn't playing 25 minutes a night. He, he didn't want to play 25 minutes a night. But he played a, a 20 minute. Some nights he played 22, 23, but most of the nights he played 19, 20, two way hockey, and that's why we won. Edmonton has that kind of philosophy, I think, that this year if they do that, they have a chance to run the table and win a Stanley Cup. You, you know, it's weird. I agree. I, I, I don't think Tampa can get to a final four years in a row. I think that grinds too much. I think Colorado got a shot. I mean, they had some changeover, but it's funny talk. I look at the Penguins at 4 4 and 2, and I'm a little bit worried. Colorado's 4 4 and 1 almost the same record, but I'm not worried about them at all. Yeah, I, I think once I said, it, it, the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins always are a structured team. They, they play the way they play. And they're going to go through some, some, some times in a year, they're going to have the peaks and valleys. And, you know, if you look at Mike Sullivan's record, it's happened, you know, where they've had a couple of bad weeks. They always bounce back because they fall back on their structure. They got to get some bottom six scoring. They got to make sure that uh, they play sound defensively. They, they've been a little loose for me uh, the last two weeks. A lot loose. Uh, it's not a typical Mike Sullivan team allowing some of the goals they have, but they always bounce back. And uh, you know, obviously, when your star pro like Sidney Crosby is having a really, you know, listen, he's producing. He's having yep. a great year. 
Um, it's just a matter of time before they shake it out. But saying that, you got to work hard. And there's been some games I've seen them get a little bit out of work from the other team. That's a little concerning. I don't think it's a panic time, but it's something that's got to be addressed. Talk great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon, I hope. Okay, Matt. Take care, bud. That is Rick Tockett. Check him out tonight in studio analyst for T on T. The Penguins play the Sabres tonight. That's at 7.30 on TNT. And don't forget, you can watch the game with me at Caliente Pizza and Draft House in Mount Lebanon. That's right on Castle Shannon Boulevard. Uh, we talked briefly about the Penguins power play, how Phil Kessel, when he played, provided a reset point. I'll tell you what I think the Penguins should do to get their power play together uh, in just a little bit here on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing, Mr. Madden? Big fan. Super genius. I love the show. What he likes ain't legal nowhere but Medellin. The X at 105.9. I'll be seeing Aerosmith again in December. Uh, good hockey talk with Rick Tockett. Great to hear from him. Check out the Penguins and Sabres on TNT tonight at 7.30. And come watch the game with me at Caliente Pizza and Draft House in Mount Lebanon. Right on uh, Castle Shannon Boulevard. Okay, the Penguins power play hasn't been horrible. It's about in the middle of the pack in terms of conversion percentage. But it's not been great. It hasn't lived up to the level of the talents. And as uh, I've been pointing out, I don't feel like the Penguins power play has a reset point. You know, a guy you automatically go to to settle things down, like like Talk and I were discussing how Phil Kessel used to do that. And you know how Sergei Gontra used to do that up top for the 09 Stanley Cup champions, Gonch's era. Uh, don't have to be the best player. You know who was real good at that on a real bad team was Dickie Tarnstrom. Settling the power play down. So my suggestion is this. Uh, I don't think they're going to bring Ty Smith up because of cap issues. And even if they did, I don't think they'd put him right on the power play. Although if he can run the power play like he has done in his career, maybe they should. Because the power play is not about getting your five best players out there. It's about getting a unit out there that fits together and works. I thought maybe Jeff Petrie could handle it, but last night in Latang's absence, he did not look good on the power play. So here's my suggestion. Take Gino out of the right circle, the right half wall, and put Sid there. And let him be the reset point. Sid is their calmest hand on the power play, but you can't be that down low. Don Lowe, you're in traffic, you're retrieving, you're uh, mucking. You know, put Sid in the right circle. I don't care where else you move Gino, but in terms of settling the power play down at a half-wall spot, Gino's not that guy. He's a shooter. Now, wherever else you'd move him would not be as good a place for him to shoot, but that's too bad because this would be better for the power play. I think you could easily go with, well, I hate the idea of Gino up top. I think he's... A defensive liability there, but I could put Gino in the left circle, put Latang up top, put Gensel and I mean, I don't know, does Brian Rust 100% have to be on the power play? Not that he hasn't done a decent job there, but uh, well, if not him, do you put Zucker down under? I mean, I, I don't know, but 
I just want to see that power play become steadier and uh, move the puck and regroup and reorganize as opposed to being very sporadic and haphazard and really not appearing to have a plan. 412-333-WXDX. Some news in the NFL, too. It looks like Dan Snyder, the Washington Commanders owner, who has been fraught by scandal, uh, is looking to sell the Commanders, probably at the behest of the league. I mean, Dan Snyder's a, a jackass, and certainly some of the stuff that's gone on under his administration uh, with the Commanders has been borderline criminal. But if it is criminal, then, you know, put him on trial, arrest him, and, you know, settle it that way. I, I, I am not real good with forcing someone to sell something he owns. Now, if they do force him to do it, no skin off my tuchus, but, uh, and he's a bad guy, and I don't know, kind of mixed emotions about that. So we're talking about the Penguins having blown that 5-2 lead to Boston last night. We're talking about uh, the Steelers. Read my column today in the trip. And then talk about it, you know, later in the show today, maybe tomorrow, because uh, their priorities have to change now. Winning and losing don't matter at all now. Maybe for you it does, but it doesn't because they're not going to win enough to make the playoffs or even come close. So you got to evaluate, and you got to teach, and you got to set the table for next season and the season after that, not just in terms of, of you know, developing players and, you know, refining, you know, your your way of doing things, your methodology, your your playbook, whatever you want to call it. You gotta get a better culture in place and you gotta get leadership in place. Like this year, their captaincy thing was a joke. Najee Harris ain't no captain. He stinks and he whines, and Trubisky got benched. You know, the the Steelers are in shambles in almost every way you can be in shambles. And they have to recognize that and fix things and move forward. And, and if you don't win every game you want to, because you're not going to win every game you want to, you're not going to win many games at all this year, you have to prioritize properly. And I'll be honest, I think Tomlin's too stubborn to do it and probably not bright enough to do it either. I don't know how more people aren't blaming Tomlin for what's going on. I don't know more, how more people aren't blaming Tomlin for how they've wasted the last decade plus. Okay, up next, uh, somebody makes the list, and we're going to talk Steelers with Brian Batko of the Post-Gazette. It's the Mark Madden Show 105.